I want to start off uh, this morning by saying thank you uh, to um, all of you for the, your your kind words and your encouragements on behalf of me and Tanya, uh, not just last Sunday, but over the course of the last year. Um, you guys have been a great support to us, and uh, especially Rose isn't in here, but, but anybody who's involved in, in setting up the, the cake and the refreshments and stuff, we really appreciate it. It's, it's one of those weird things where... Um, you know, it seems almost backwards when, when you're being honored. Sometimes it makes you feel more humble. And so we, we feel humble that, that you guys um, would, would, would try and would honor us and, and to try and uh, give us uh, appreciation because, um, you know, we're just, we're just trying to do what, what we feel God is, is leading us into. And, and so um, don't always feel like we, we know what to do with the thanks, but, but we do appreciate your encouragement. So thank you all for that. Uh, it's hard to believe that it has already been a year. It's been a little over a year since I was installed as pastor here, and we're just continuing to pray that God will bless the work that he's doing in this church, that this church will continue to thrive and to grow. Um, we, uh, we see the the... The work of this church ex- extending beyond our walls. I was up at the uh, missions conference in Hayward at uh, Northern Lights Christian Center. I was able to visit with some of our missionaries up there. Uh, I was able to meet some new ones. It was very exciting. There's some uh, young missionaries that are starting out, which it seemed like there was a, I didn't notice a lot of that over the last years. Um, fresh, <laughs> fresh ones going on in the field. I see all the, the regular ones that we've seen over the last 20 years, but there's been some young ones that have started to, um, to step up and uh, and they're going out into remote places across the globe. It's it's pretty cool. They're going, you know, um, one of these young missionary families is uh, just finished putting, or actually I think they're raising money to put floats on their airplane so that they can get into these deep jungle locations where there's, it's either that or take a boat and a boat takes a long time. And so um, they're working on that. There's other uh, missionaries that are going to remote islands in the Pacific Places that you know, people wouldn't even think to see, and it was it was kind of uh, funny. You know, you think you want to send a, a missionary to some place where there's a lot of people that are lost, but he talked about this one boat that that they they that they sent out and it went to an island and, and they had some of these boxes, Operation Christmas Child boxes, and uh, and they went to this this island. There was six kids, and and he and you know. In some, on one hand, you can be a little bit disappointed that there's not more people there to reach. But on the other hand, the fact that God would lead them to six people, that he would have a heart for those six kids, that he would send a boat across the ocean to them, just uh, really uh, powerful. Um, the, uh, the main speaker at the conference uh, was a pastor from Texas, and he... Um, he talked about the key element of ministry. Now, this is a key element, whether your ministry is, is pastoring or a missionary or whether you are a Christian just living in the world in your workplace. We all have a ministry that we're doing. And the key element to ministry is that is discipling, is discipling. That uh, that's the Great Commission, and, and the missionaries. I'm sure hear it every year when they go to a conference. You know, they, they're to uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But to go uh, and make disciples, go and make disciples, and that is the the key that we would make disciples. Um, he pointed out that that each of us, whether we realize it or not, are we're all being discipled or have been discipled by somebody. 
where we've, we've put somebody in a place where, where their influence we've allowed to change who we are. So we've been discipled by somebody, and we are discipling somebody too. We might not even recognize who it is that we are discipling, but we're discipling somebody. Somebody is looking at you, and they're seeing, especially if they know that you're a Christian, you may be the, the, the one person that shows them what that means. What does it look like to be a Christian? And so we are being discipled, and we are discipling and we're um and that's that's kind of our our goal for coming here is to become uh, better disciples and better disciple makers and so when we come here we come and we we hear the word of god we we i hope to share it in a way that we can receive it and figure out how we can apply it to our lives so that we can become better disciple makers um we want to be equipped um we have to hear the word of god but we have to have our hearts surrendered to the word of God in order to really receive it. You know, we know about the seed that's planted in different ground and some of it grows and some of it doesn't. Uh, if, we, uh, if we don't have a heart that's surrendered to the spirit, then we're not going to receive the word of God and it's not going to grow. And so um, part of it is, is, uh, is on me to share it and part of it is on you to receive it. And, uh, and so I, I just pray that I, I share well and that together we can all, because I'm receiving it too, I, I get the benefit of getting to hear this message lots of times. And so, so I, um, I don't know, I say I keep on saying how much I've loved this study of Romans, but it just every week it gets better and better so far. So um, we'll, <laughs> we'll just keep going. Um, yeah, so... Uh, like I said, the last part is really essential. Who is in charge? Who are we following so that we will either receive or not receive this message? Because if we are following the old nature, we are going to resist it. If we're following the new nature, we're going to receive it. So who is in charge? That's our big, big question for today is who is in charge? Last week, we talked about the old nature and the new nature and this wrestling match that happens in our mind of these two opposing natures that both want to go different directions. Um, Our nature hears the law and is tempted by it. Our new nature hears the law and desires to obey it. And we have to choose which one are we going to follow? Which one is in charge? When we read Paul's description of this battle in his own life, he said, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I really the one doing it, doing what is wrong? It is sin that does it. It is a sin that's living in me. Um, And then he ends the chapter saying, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he immediately answers in the next verse saying, Thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we move into Romans 8, and that's where we find ourselves today. Romans chapter 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Jesus is the answer, and in him we are free from the way of the law. Last week I mentioned the example of uh, how the, the way of the law or the system of the law was like being hung over hell by a chain and each link of the chain was uh, a commandment or uh, a law and, and you only have to break one before that chain is separated from one end from the other. Um, we are freed from that law. 
In the way of Jesus, there is no condemnation. In Jesus, there is not one condemnation. All you needed was one. It says there is not, I think the, like the literal translation is, there is not one condemnation. We have not one condemnation in Christ Jesus. The chain is no longer a factor because Jesus was able to fulfill the law. The purpose of the law was to bring life. Jesus fulfilled the law, and now we receive that life when, we're, when we receive the message of Christ, when we receive him, put our faith in him, we're joined with him in a permanent covenant that frees us from that system. Jesus said in John 5.24, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Already. Already passed. There's no condemnation. Already passed. That sounds... <laughs> we, we have. We've already passed. We've already died in Christ, and now we live, and there's no longer death in our future. We are alive in Christ. Um, we'll never be condemned in our sins. Uh, we can put that fear behind us. God is not going to punish us for our sins, but that doesn't mean that there can't be consequences for our sins. Um, your sin may damage your relationships with each other on earth. Uh, it could affect your success in your job. It could affect your marriage. It could even land you in jail. Your sin can cause you to feel distant from God. That can be another consequence of your sin, not because God has gone anywhere, but because you have veered off. God's going this way and you veered off. You separated. You can feel distant from God, but just like the prodigal son, you can also come back. God's right where he was. He's right there. He's going to receive you with open arms. Um, so God is there. He doesn't leave us. We can feel distant, but we don't have to be distant. Looking back again at, uh, at the example that Paul gave us of this wrestling match with the old nature, we see that in the midst of this turmoil that he was having inside, he kept saying the word I or me or myself over and over in the, that section of verses from last week. Uh, just looking at the couple verses that I read a moment ago, he said the word I nine times in just two and a half verses. I want to do, um, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. And it goes on and on. And one of the things that increased Paul's struggle between these two natures was that he was focused. At this point, he's talking about being focused on I. I want this. I'm, I'm trying to do this, but I can't. And he, he, was, he was, had all this, this focus on his own strength. Um, the answer was not found in him, though. And as we saw at the conclusion, the answer is in Jesus. Attempting to live a righteous life to do good and to not do evil by our own strength is miserable. And that's where Paul found himself, feeling miserable between these, these two opposing forces. And he showed us that the solution is to focus on the Holy Spirit. And that's what he's going to be talking about today, is walking in the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit created a new life in us. And now we, we can live out that life in Christ. So as we continue in verse 2, Romans 8, verse 2 it says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the wickedness of our sinful nature. 
So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied who no longer follow, would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature but instead follow the spirit prior to Jesus we only had a nature that responded to the law with evil desires and therefore we were controlled by it and sin reigned but now he has set us free now Sin only has whatever power we choose to give it. Sin only has the power that we choose to give it. The power of sin's been broken. We can give it back, but, but we don't have to. Um, the part that, uh, that makes this difficult, though, so, I mean, we're free from it. We don't have to choose it. But our old nature is still there. Our old nature is with us until we... We, our body dies and, we, and we're separated from it. So we still feel these desires rising up in us when we're driving our cars down the road, when we're interacting with coworkers or friends or family. Um, we can have sinful desires. In our free time, we can have sinful desires. If we entertain those sinful desires in our minds, those thoughts will eventually turn into actions, and those actions will turn into habits, and we can voluntarily give up our freedom. We can find ourselves again enslaved to sin. On the flip side, though, we have the new nature that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and when we entertain the ideas that the Holy Spirit puts in us, the desires the Holy Spirit develops in us, those actions will also, or those thoughts will also turn into actions, and those actions can turn into habits, and they will nurture that freedom that we found in Christ. Uh, Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Makes sense, right? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sins Sinful nature can never please God. Who would rather have life and peace instead of death? Any takers, life and peace or death? <laughs> but it's contingent on one thing. Who is in charge? Who's in charge? And what does that mean? We, we've talked about how we have this power of choice. Like we're not robots. We're not, it's not like the, you know, in the, New Living Translation, it uses this word control. Uh, it's not like we're controlled, like programmed, but we have the ability to decide who are we going to follow? Who are we going to allow to guide us? Um, the, the word control in some other translations is translated as to live according to or to be governed by or to be ruled by. And uh, I thought one of my favorite translations of this word was actually in the King James Version, where it says uh, that you are after, you're after the Spirit. It says, for they that are after the flesh do the mind, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So what are you after? 
What are you after? Are we after the flesh or are we after the spirit? And what is, what's the end result? What are, you, what are you looking for in your life that, you know, what, um, what are you going to let determine what you fix your mind on? Are you, what are you going to be after? Romans uh, 8, 9 through 11 says, but you are not controlled, and he's talking to Christians here, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even through the body, even though the body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. When I was, uh, when I was younger, I started deer hunting. Uh, when I was about 14, I think is when I started sitting out by myself, deer hunting. I would get excited about deer hunting as it would approach. Uh, I love the idea of going out there and shooting a big buck. It was a lot of fun to shoot uh, a, a deer in general, but to shoot a big buck, it's very exciting, or it was to me. Um, so as, as the days were coming, you know, I was very excited about the idea of going out there and shooting this buck. Um, but I hated sitting out in the cold. I, <laughs> I really didn't like sitting out in the cold. And on those cold days, which, of course, in late November, most of the time they're cold days. And uh, my focus became more and more intense as I sat there to want to shoot a deer. Now, not, not so much a buck anymore, just a deer. Because I knew that once I shot a deer, I didn't have to sit out in the cold anymore. I could, I could go to where it's warm. I just wanted to shoot a deer. And, and it, it maybe seems like the wrong kind of focus for a hunter to have. But that focus on going home where it's warm actually made me a really good hunter because I did not want to miss a single opportunity. I, I would sit there like as still as possible, not even really wanting to move my head just enough to maybe, you know, expand my vision a little bit. But I mostly just wanted to rotate my eyes back and forth, listening intently, wanting to not miss a single opportunity because I knew if I missed it, I would be sitting there all day long and I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to shoot the deer and get out of there. So I became very, very focused on what I was doing. Also, while I'm sitting out there, though, I'm 14 years old carrying, you know, holding a gun, and you see turkeys, and you see squirrels, and you see chipmunks, and there's something in you, and maybe it's not just, I mean, I, I think I felt this way even as I got a little bit older, you kind of wanted to shoot something, you know, <laughs> like, like you see it, you know, it seems dumb, and maybe you guys feel this is an awful thing to want to shoot a chipmunk, but when you're standing there holding a gun, you know, you just want to shoot something, and so, um, but I had, you know, I had this other focus in me that I wanted to get out of the cold. And I knew, well, I knew two things. One, that if I shot the gun at the chipmunk, if there was any deer around, I wasn't going to see them. <laughs> they were, were going to be gone, and I was going to be stuck, not, not reaching my goal of getting out of here. And uh, the second thing was my dad was usually on the other side of the hill somewhere, not too far away, and, you know, I'll probably be chasing the deer away from him, or he'll be coming over thinking that I shot a deer and not be very happy with me when he just sees that I bagged a chipmunk. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, my focus, the, the goal that I had, the thing that I fixed my eyes on, my mind on, helped me to not just 
shoot a deer, which was a great reward, but it also kept me from doing the dumb things that would keep me from that goal, you know. And so, as Christians, we are focused on Jesus and our home with him. That's our end goal. We want to bring glory to God. We're focused on the end game. Uh, Anything else that we do in life, uh, if it doesn't have any value at the end, then it doesn't really have any value. <laughs> you know, I mean, the eternity is a long time and, and we can waste a lot of effort on things that really just don't carry over, you know. Um, but it, being uh, somebody who's focused on Jesus makes us a good Christian. It causes us to follow the right desires that we have that the Spirit is giving us instead of following the fleshly desires, instead of um, living in that miserable state of chapter 7. And we can find ourselves actually living the reverse of that as we follow the Spirit. And I did a little rewrite of what that could look like. So if we are following the Spirit and we're not following the flesh, the Spirit, we could say that the Spirit shows me what is right, so I do it. I want to do what is good, and the Spirit makes me able. I don't want to do what is wrong, and the Spirit steers me from it. If I do what the Spirit wants me to do, I am not really the one doing it, but it is the Spirit living in me that does it. What a blessed man am I. Jesus freed me from that life that was dominated from, by sin and death. Life in the Spirit, we can be free. The only way that we can keep our focus on Jesus is by being after the Spirit. Love that, being after the Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit determine what we are focused on, what thoughts we entertain, who we allow to disciple us. If the thought we are having doesn't bring glory to God, if the person we are listening to isn't glorifying God, the Spirit tells us, the Spirit teaches us. When we listen to the Spirit living in us, He will guide us and give us direction on who we should be listening to and what we should be following and what we should be doing so that we can be a good disciple maker. As Christians, we have chosen to strive to daily choose to live according to and be governed by, to be ruled by and controlled by the Spirit. Now, what does that look like? You know, the Bible talks about us praying continually. So we're talking about walking in the Spirit, praying continually. Like you can't, obviously you're not going to have head you know, head down, eyes closed, hands folded all day long. It's hard to drive a car that way, eat food that way. You can't live life that way. But you can be in communication with the Spirit all day long. You can walk. Even if I'm spending the time with, with a human person next to me, I'm probably not talking to them all day long, but they're right there. If I have a, if I'm working, if, you know, back in my old job when I'm working with somebody and, and doing something new, I can be working. If I have a question, it's right there right there to talk to. When we walk with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is right there. We're aware that the Spirit is there. When we feel this conflict in us, we can turn to the Holy Spirit. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. We can find out, you know, remind me, (laughs) remind me, Holy Spirit, what what I'm focused on. You know, help me to, to recognize that this way leads to sin and death and this way leads to life and peace. The Holy Spirit is the one that we want in charge. Romans 8, 12 through 14 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. 
But through the power of the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. We read back in the beginning of chapter 7, there was the illustration of the, the woman who was married and her husband died, and now she's free from her husband. She can go and get remarried. Her husband has died. She's not bound. You can't be bound as one flesh to a dead man. In Romans 6.11, it said, So you also consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Actually, it says Christ Jesus. Same person. We should consider ourselves dead. We're no longer bound to that, that old nature. We, um, we have no obligation to follow it. We've committed our lives to Christ. We did not just choose to live with him, but we also choose to die to the old nature, to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. So we are no longer obligated to follow its desires. But here's the key. We don't put to death the sinful nature on our own. We don't, we, we don't do it on our own. It's not, um, you know, I was talking about how Paul in that, that battle that he had in chapter 7, this wrestling match, he showed us that he had a real eye disease, right? I, 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 I want to do what is right, I, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Um, he was, he was, had this focus on I. He, he can't. He couldn't. He can't. But when we look at verse 13, it says, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. Through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. That's why you've got to walk with the Spirit because without his power, without his reminders, without, without being in that communication with him throughout the day, you can't do it. You can't. But in Christ, we have all that we need so that we can. When we are focused on Jesus and the new relationship that we have with the Father through him, we do what the Spirit leads us to do. Not because we are controlled by the Spirit as if we have no choice, but we are after anything that brings us closer to Christ. We're, we're, in, we're in love with God. We're after the things of God. We're, we're after the things that bring us closer to Christ. We're after anything that brings glory to God. We're after the mission and the purpose of the eternal kingdom, of his kingdom, the everlasting kingdom, um, the things that are going to matter. That's what we are after. And we are focused on home, not going home after deer hunting and being warm, but heavenly home that is forever. And one of the cool things about living after the Spirit is that the, the things that we give our time and energy to, even though to some they may seem silly and they may seem like uh, things that, why would I want to sacrifice that? Why would I want to sacrifice my time and my energy and my money towards those things? But we find that, that when we live in the Spirit and we look back at, at the benefits that happened as we gave our lives, as we surrendered to the, the leading of the Spirit, are things that we would have never traded for the momentary pleasures that sin offered. As a hunter, I would have never found the joy in shooting a chipmunk that I 
had in shooting a buck. I, I have a nice uh, mount in my basement of a, of, a, of a big buck I shot, and I, it was fun. It was, it, was, it was a joy to do that, but, it, but I had to be focused on, on, a, on a goal that would not distract me from it. My goal was to get home, um, and, and it made me a good hunter. Our goal is to go home, and it can make us a good Christian. Um, but uh, when we are after the Spirit... We have stronger marriages. When we're after the Spirit, we raise kids who love God. When we're after the Spirit, we develop true friendships that tell us, these friends that will tell us when we're going the wrong way, when we made a mistake, and that will stick with us even when uh, we've, we've messed up. When we're after the Spirit, we can find freedom from uh, addictions uh, and bad habits. We can, in that freedom from those things, we can experience the benefit of having uh, healthier relationships and healthier bodies, um, all because we're following after the Spirit. These are great benefits um, to letting the Spirit lead us. The Spirit, uh, letting the Spirit be in charge leads to life and peace. And uh, this all sounds great, right? But the problem is, is, that that is not always our experience. We don't, we're not, we have to admit, we don't always walk in that. We don't always experience all of that blessing all the time. Sometimes uh, we find ourselves in that wrestling match. Um, sometimes uh, we don't walk in the spirit. As Christians, we can be Christians and we can not walk in the spirit. And it maybe sounds controversial, but um, but you've got kind of those, as a Christian, you're either walking in the Spirit and experiencing the life and peace, and not that there won't be external struggles, but, but, the, but God promises He'll be there with us, giving us the strength to endure those. But if you're not in that, then, then the, the other option, if you're a Christian, is that you're going to be back in chapter 7, you know, feeling that war. Okay? So if you don't have either of those, then you need to maybe take a moment and pause and say, Am I really, have I really given my life to Christ? Um, because you should either feel this, this conflict or, or, or in, our, in our good times when we're walking with that focus on Jesus and we're following the Spirit, we're, we're walking in that, that joy and that life and that peace that he gives us. Um, and we're going we're gonna to experience both. We're not, none of us perfect. Um, we have to actually let the Spirit make the calls on what we're going to think about and do. We can't just say you're in control, but then not actually follow through on that. I can, I can make a commitment to go to, to, to the gym and work out every day, but I'm not going to experience any physical change if I don't actually allow that commitment to affect my actions. If I don't actually go and do the exercise, it's not going to work. So if we're committed to Christ, we have to actually follow through on walking after the Spirit if we want to see the results. Reading verse 6 again, it says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Sometimes we don't want to let the Spirit lead, or at least we're, we're conflicted. We, we entertain the thoughts of the, the old nature, the old self, the, these desires that pop up, and we, we sometimes will give them place in our thought life, and then it becomes harder and harder to resist. 
James, uh, in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Away from what? These are Christian, we're being drug away from, from the following the Spirit, following what God has for us. The things that we, we'd walked away, and now the, these old desires are trying to drag us back. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. But I love, uh, you know, looking back again at Romans uh, 8, verse 12, it said, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what the sinful nature urges you to do. So James is talking about how these urges draw you back. We have no obligation. We can choose not to. We have, we have the strength in the Holy Spirit to not to. Not in ourselves, but when we follow the Spirit, we don't have to do those things anymore. The New King James says that we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We, we're, not, we're not beholding to the flesh. We don't owe it anything. Um, we were captive to the flesh, but now that prison door is open. Prison door is open. The question is, do you want to come out? Do you want to come out of the cell or do you want to stay in there? Do you want to be in control? Do you want to, um, do you long to keep living after the pleasures of the flesh? Or do you long after Jesus and after the Holy Spirit living in you? Who will you put in charge? Romans 6.16 says, Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can choose to be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living, which leads to life and peace. And ask the worship team to come. Last week I mentioned how I was comforted by Paul's struggle that he, as he depicted it in chapter 7. Like there's, there's something in me, you know, when you're in that wrestling match, you don't, you know, misery loves company, I guess, you know, right? <laughs> So when you're in that wrestling match and you read chapter seven, uh, if you feel comfort, it's like, well, Paul dealt with it too, you know, like, and, and I think that's okay because we all do deal with that wrestling match from time to time. That's, and, 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 it, and it pops up in bigger or smaller ways, you know, hopefully smaller and smaller as time goes on, um, as we learn to walk in the spirit better, um, more closely, more consistently. Um, but the there can be a problem with getting too comfortable with chapter 7. Uh, we can, we can want to just stop there in chapter 7 where we're, where we're being tempted both directions to go in both ways um, because we don't really want to let go. We don't really want to let go of, of that old nature and the old desires. Some of it still seems appealing to us. And so um, we can feel comfortable, I guess, knowing that we're Christians uh, even though we're experiencing this tempting, but it's still uh, miserable. <laughs> it's not like, you know, sometimes people hold on to things that make their life worse. And so um, we can sit there and, uh, and we can be, you know, on the one hand, we can be after the spirit. and the other hand, we're after the flesh. And they're both pulling in opposite directions and all we experience is the misery of a man, you know, being hung on a rack, you know, being pulled in two different directions. Saying, what a wretched man am I, who will save me? But all I have to do is read the next verse. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came and he saved us and he stretched out his arms so we don't have to be stretched out. We don't have to wrestle. We, we are free. 
We are free. We don't have any obligation to the old nature. I spent a lot of years um, holding on to, to a sinful appetite that kept me in that misery, that, that being torn in two directions, clinging to two natures and not, not truly wanting to let go of the one that was holding me there. I read chapter 7 and I knew that I had new life in me. I knew that I had new life in me, but I didn't really want chapter 8. There was a time that I didn't, I didn't really want chapter 8 enough. You know, I, I wanted chapter 7. I wanted to still hold on to, to that other, that old nature, those old desires. Um, but there was joy. There's joy that comes when you recognize that you have freedom, that you don't have to hold on to that. When you, when you know that you don't, you have no obligation that's and you can walk away. When you let go and you focus on the Spirit and you walk after the Spirit, there is joy and there is peace and there is comfort and there's rest from that struggle and rest from the, 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 the shame and the guilt that you feel in the middle of that that can make you feel distant from God. Um, when you try and carry that on your own, uh, you can feel like you're no good, like you're unworthy, like God can't use you, God can't save you. Uh, the enemy will try and, you know, throw these things at you. And and then when you do get to a place and you feel like you do want to <laughs> push off these sins because they're weighing you down so hard, you feel unworthy to just receive what Christ had already given you in the past. And you feel like you've got to kind of clean yourself up again. You're stuck in this this chapter seven struggle where you're on this I, I, I uh, disease issue where you're trying to do it on your own because you don't think you deserve uh because Jesus already did it for you once and I've kind of fallen back. Now I have to do it on my own. Um, but I'm, I'm going to jump on my own toes. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Is Sin doesn't stick anymore. Um, we are free to go back to the Father. He's, his arms are open. Um, and we're, but we have, to, we have to remember that if we don't remember that, then we are trying to figure out how we can get there on our own. And we can't. It was the whole point of uh, you know, of, of what we looked at through the first part of Romans is that we don't have the ability to atone for our sins and to clean ourselves up in the slightest. We can't wash off even just a little bit of it. It's only through the gift of Christ, through his perfect life lived and given on our behalf, his blood shed for us, that we can have it washed away. And so um, I have to put that aside. Jesus did it for us. Just receive the gift. Um, we need to be reminded that it's through the power of the Spirit that we put to death those sinful natures. And the Spirit is living in us. The Spirit is living in us. Even if we don't feel it, if you are a Christian, if you've experienced that, that battle, if you've, if you've accepted Christ's sacrifice for you and you know that, that you know that you know that, that, that you have salvation in Christ, that He's called you, that He's, that he's led you, then you don't have to, uh, you don't have to Try and clean yourself up. The spirit is in you, and it's not—it's not going anywhere. Um, are you ready to move from chapter seven to chapter eight? Are you ready to stop wrestling on your own and let the spirit be in charge, to be after the spirit? Because if you're not after the spirit, what are you left with? You're after the flesh, and all the sinful nature has to offer is death. 
The sinful nature, as we read earlier, the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of sinful nature can never please God. And our, when we have this new life in Christ that grows in us, we have a desire to please God. That's what we're about as Christians, is bringing glory to God. And so if we desire to please God, we have to follow the Spirit, because it's only in walking after the Spirit that we can do that. As followers of Christ, we desire to please God. It's our primary goal. And uh, we surrender control. We, we surrender control. We, we are after, we are after the Spirit. I don't, I don't know why, uh, you know, depending on where you're at today, we're going we're gonna to have a time of, of singing. Depending where you're at, this is a time to either sing victory in Jesus or I surrender all. Uh, you know, I, I mean, when, you, when you've experienced victory in Jesus, when you've, when you've experienced the, 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 the misery of standing there getting pulled in two directions and, and this, the sin and the guilt that's, that's, that's on you and this, you know, misery, and then you've experienced, you know, thank God that in Jesus Christ I am set free, there's, you know, it's a time to rejoice. If you're, if you're still stuck in chapter 7, it's time to say, I surrender all. It's time to say, I surrender all and, and experience, then, then move on to victory in Jesus. But not, I'm not trying to tell you those are the songs you have to do. They probably have. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we're going to, we'll, let's stand and pray and then we'll, we'll sing. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we, we thank you, Lord, that you didn't, uh, you didn't just save us and leave us, that you gave your Holy Spirit as a seal upon our hearts, upon our lives, as a, as a strength, as a power, um, as a friend, as a teacher, as a counselor. Lord, your Spirit is with us, Lord God, and we can walk in your Spirit daily. We can walk with your Spirit. We can, we can walk in communion with your Spirit, Lord. If we're, if we're going to live a victorious life where we are uh, receiving your Word and it's growing in us, if we're going to live a victorious life where we are able to be an example who can go out into the world and make disciples uh, to, to see the lost saved, Lord, we have to be walking in the Spirit, Lord. There's power in your Spirit. There's, there's freedom in your Spirit. There's joy in your Spirit, rest in your Spirit, victory in your Spirit. There's, there's peace even in hard times. There's joy even in the midst of struggle when we walk in your Spirit because you give us the strength to, to meet any obstacle, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to remember home, <laughs> that we would remember uh, the end is with you in heaven, Lord God, and that we would hold loosely to those temporary things that have no value, and that we would see the blessing and benefit, Lord, of walking in your spirit and the joy in your spirit and the joy just in relationship with you and in, and, uh, and in being right with you. Lord, uh, we are so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for the blood that we have been made right with the Heavenly Father, that we've been brought into the family of God. We just thank you. Thank you. We sing and we worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans uh, 8, 15 through 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit 
to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Romans 8, 1 again says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We are God's children. We belong to Christ Jesus. We did not receive a spirit of a harsh slave master that is looking to punish us at every slip up. When we receive God's spirit, we are adopted as the children of God. Next week, we're going to look into more what, what that means, what some of the other promises and, and the, the inheritances of are of being a child of God. But for today, the first major impact that we have as we move from someone who's under the law, um, someone who was dead in sin, someone who God was going to judge and pour out his righteous wrath upon, now to becoming his children, is that as his children, that that is a position not a I mean it is a condition but it but it starts as a pose a position not a condition a position not a condition my kids are my kids whether they are good or bad I may make a joke sometimes that when they do something bad they're Tanya's kids but if we did a DNA test and let's face it we we know where they got that from um, but no, but uh, but if we did a DNA test when they were bad, they would still be my kids just as much as when they're good. Um, we are children of God. He has put His Spirit in us. We don't. We've we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have no ability to uh, to maintain that position as as much as we we couldn't gain it in the first place. But um, when, we, when we sin, we are still children of God. We're still children of God. This, the Holy Spirit has sealed us, and, and He's never going to leave us. We are able to stand in God's grace. We have this grace in which we stand, we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, we didn't have the power to earn it. We didn't have the power to sustain it. But by the grace of God, it is permanent is huge because outside of Christ we are left to clean up clean ourselves up right we're, we're to make ourselves try and earn that condition to be in that position but we can't do that but in Christ we are put in that position of children of Christ by the atoning power of the cross that makes us right with God so who's in charge who's in charge we have the Holy Spirit he's with us from now till the end but who is in charge who are you going to follow the Holy Spirit that brings life and peace. Let him lead you as you go. Let him lead you all day, every day. Amen? Amen. Amen.